have we got a surprise for you guys. Yeah, so before the episode starts, about to start in like about 30 seconds, but we are doing a signed T.Y. Hilton jersey giveaway. It's going to be through my the podcast Twitter, at FatherSonFF. you got to go over there, follow that Twitter. There'll be a tweet about that. you got to retweet it. And the way you enter is by submitting a five-star review to us. And you have to have proof of that. So screenshot that five-star review and DM it to at FatherSonFF. The tweet will be there for more instructions. But, man, we're excited to give this away. Probably Yo, you want, in three you weeks. want these jerseys. Look at this. Still in the package, people. Still in the package. Brand new. Signed Brand T.Y. New. Hilton jersey, jersey giveaway. And you we want this jersey. It looks yeah. so good. I want to open it up right now and put it on. You can't, you can't put it on. You got to frame that thing. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's good quality. It's a jersey, and it's signed by T.Y. Hilton himself. So, yeah, that's the jersey giveaway. Go over to at FatherSonFF to find out more details about that. And yeah. without further ado, let's get into today's episode, Dad. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Father-Son Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Paul. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. It and is my birthday today. I'm 22. Yeah, my name is Justin, and then we are joined today by the one and only Jesse Rees. What's going on, Jesse? What's up, Jesse? What is up, guys? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. Last time we had him on, it was like week six or something. I don't know. It was in-season, so content was still good, but it wasn't as fun as off-season when you get to have all these takes, not just who you want to start and what you want to do and buy now because some of those players aren't really attainable. You know what I'm saying? One of those guys is Melvin Gordon. You know, if someone has him on their team and the, uh, you know, they draft him in the first round, they're not going to really want to give him up for much. You're probably going to have to overpay for him, but now he's now holding the out. News, the news coming out, he's holding out. Holding out or wants to be traded. He's not going to participate in any training camp thing. So, luckily, we have a Chargers fan with us today. The and Chargers aren't trading him. They're not going to get rid of him. They're going to pay him. They got to pay him. Yeah, I I hope I hope you're right, Pops. I, I really do hope you're right. I hope I hope we do pay him, but it's just, I think, um, from somebody who's a fan and somebody who follows the team uh, very closely, um, I don't know if we have the space to do it. It depends. It's it's going to be, have to be a middle ground deal. Um, you're looking at. I don't think he's going to be able to tap into a top three payday. If you can strike a deal with Melvin Gordon and get somewhere in between that, uh, maybe nine and ten million, and then that thirteen million somewhere in there, maybe twelve. Uh, I, I think it might be doable. It's just going to be a matter of um, is he willing to do that for the team, but. You also look at roster construction right now. You got a lot of a lot of money tied up into uh, a left tackle in Russell Okung. Uh, they want to extend Philip Rivers another two years. You're going to have to pay Joey Bosa in, 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 after next year, especially if he shows up for uh, for 16 this year. Um, and he's going to be at market value. We know how much those he's those insane. elite defensive ends get paid. Uh, so from just a pure cap perspective, and and of course this does have fantasy relevance, but from, from that perspective, I just don't know if they're going to be able to get it done. And then you tack on, um, sure, he gets the volume and and he gets the work, but he's a part of one of the most replaceable positions in all of sports. Um, we know that volume is given to running backs as opposed to maybe wide receivers who earn it on the field with two to three other guys at that position playing there. Um, and for for... for uh, all intensive purposes, I really do hope they get that deal done, like you said. But um, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, tough to tell. We'll see. But if he does get traded, Tampa Bay is looking for a running back. 
Houston could take him possibly. That'd be pretty cool to see. And then another one I was hearing, not possible, but it'd be cool to see him go back to Wisconsin with the Aaron Rodgers. You know, because yeah, Aaron that Jones be- doesn't have the draft capital. You know, they're not really invested into him. And then if he goes there with Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a fun offense to watch. It's a lose-lose, though, too. You look at it from just an all-around perspective. If you trade Melvin Gordon, you're never going to get the value that he supplies to your team. It, that's because the position is too devalued. For what he puts up, the performance on his on, on for the Chargers, he literally opens up the entire defense, and he is able to give you a real all-around great weapon, at, and especially at his stature, too. He's no satellite back. The guy is a big running back who runs hard and fast, too. Yeah, and then remaining if Melvin Gordon were to set out till week eight there's two satellite backs in that backfield you have Austin Eckler a little undersized and you have Justin Jackson also undersized but who's the guy you want to own real quick dad it's Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson that's Eckler for me Eckler for you he, he's a big threat especially out of the backfield he's ne- he's had some good games last year but he's never got the chance because of what, what Gordon has done I mean over the past two seasons you know he averaged I, I think 5.5 yards and uh uh, 10.3 yards a catch so for me for me it would be him to own yeah I really I really like Justin Jackson he's um he's a guy that I think can come in we saw him perform well in games that Melvin Gordon missed Pittsburgh Kansas City last year uh very pivotal games too and he produced on 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 very limited workloads uh, Kansas City game he had 16 carries three in the red zone also had three uh uh, three receptions on four targets, 85 total yards, and um, he had a touchdown that game. Also had a touchdown in the Pittsburgh game, had uh, eight carries there. And we, we we saw him hit in the top 20 of those those weeks, also did it against Baltimore as well the following week from the Kansas City game. We saw him hit top 20 weeks in all of those in, in all of those games. He's a guy that performed very, very well at, at Northeastern, and he um, – he had a prolific uh, analytical profile coming out there. Yeah, I think it's going to be a timeshare, if anything. Now you're not going to see one guy just get like 70% plus of the opportunity share. I think it does possibly lean Eckler's way, but it's, uh, it's a little closer than what people think. And I don't know who I'd rather have. I, I think I'd rather have Eckler, but you can get both in drafts. I know in Scott Fishbowl, Eckler yeah. was going earlier than Jackson, but if you want to be secure, it's not too bad bench stashes. It's, it's, good. it's a good thing that there's no – None of your home league drafts are drafted now because you'd have a tough decision at the at the say five six seven spot when Gordon was usually going. Yeah, I was fading Gordon before, you know, and now I'm yeah, fading but I more. mean, most he's been going five six or seven almost in every draft, so it, it's it'd be a tough position to either take him or pass him up. So I'm, I'm glad we're not drafting right now. I'm still gonna take Melvin Gordon. I'll probably take him at a discount now. Yeah. I'll probably take him at the front end of that that second round now because I don't believe his his fantasy value diminishes at all. Yeah, if he follows it, I'll probably take him. But in other news, Dad, we're doing a T.Y. Hilton signed jersey giveaway. Yes, we are. Over at the Twitter, at FatherSonFF. The pinned tweet is how you enter. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you have to write a five-star review. I know a lot of people are submitting their five-star reviews, but we need you to write one and then screenshot the uh, proof that it's yours with your at in the bottom of the uh, written one. So some people have sent it to me when they just screenshot them submitting a five-star review. We need you to write one. It doesn't have to be long, like two to three sentences is all sure. you need. And then you get entered into it. We're giving it away August 2nd, so you got a little under three weeks to go. You guys want this jersey. It's still in the bag. Don't make me open it. <laughs> you tempted to open it. Don't make so me got- open it. We need we need them. Uh, five-star reviews. Five-star reviews then. Yeah, so we are gaining popularity. So just, you know, five-star review. It's screenshot. probably the first of many. We, we don't know what we're doing after this, but we'll see how this one goes. 
Yeah, I think I saw Jesse retweet it. You, you went through it, didn't you? I, th- I think I did, wow. and and that's because you know maybe I'm maybe I'm gunning for that thing. You know, <laughs> maybe a couple I'm, of maybe people who do podcasts to... try to gun for it. That's good. Yeah, that's good. No, hey, as well, you got to put your throw your hat in there. That's you right. No, it's a good. I love T. Y. Hilton. You He's a pretty yeah you know, underappreciated wide receiver. Gets done every year. Yard monster. Yep. Him and Julio Absolutely. Jones are the two guys I think I consider the top of the like guys who I want to get yards. Just sure. Julio and T. Y. Yep. Absolutely. Now, a guy who gets touchdowns is Mike Williams, mm-hmm. and I don't like Mike Williams this year. What do you mean you don't like him? Well, I'm saying it right off the bat. I'm not a fan. I on. I think the upside is there. I'm not gonna be, you know, naive to that. They have 110 vacated targets, and what? you see Mike Williams touchdown machine last year. 33% of his touch points came from touchdowns. That's they're not really predictive year to year. It is Mike Williams, and I get that. You know, the bump in targets hopefully negates his drop in efficiency. He's probably going to see because he is a negative regression candidate for sure. And Hunter Henry's coming back, so the touchdowns he was getting. I mean, yeah. last year, a fifteen point two percent touchdown rate was the league high. And with the one hundred and ten vacated targets, I expect Henry to probably take around like sixty of those. So maybe you can give Mike Williams up to 80 targets from last year, maybe 90 if he's getting lucky. But with his uh, true catch rate of 79.6%, that was 80, no, 68th in the league. So not the most consistent hands, but he was also 11th in contested catch rate. So in the red zone, I throw it up to Mike Williams too, you know, big body guy. Sure. And he was also 14th in the league in yards per target, but only 86th in the league in target separation. So not creating that much space from his defenders. And he's also going... A little bit too high for my liking, I think. He's going to sixth round right now. So he's going ahead of guys that I'd rather have over him. That's Tyler Boyd. And he's also going ahead of Dante Pettis, who I'm really high on this year. But I don't have a problem with you taking him over Sammy Watkins, who's going eight picks later. Well, you got to remember, too, Tyrell Williams is gone. Antonio Gates is gone. It's 110 vacated targets. Yeah, Hunter Henry coming back, though. Hunter Henry is coming back. But, you know, there have been just 16 wide receivers who have been able to finish as a top 20 fantasy wide receiver with less than 100 targets, right, in the last 10 years. Guess how many Williams did it in last year? 66 targets. 66 targets? While, while, while Lockett, Lockett did it 70. in 71. 71 yeah. targets Lockett did it in. So no other wide receiver can say they did it with less than 70, 79 targets. I, I believe the exit of Tyrell Williams, like I just said, will mean more targets and consistency for Williams in 2019. That just means he's that he was super, super you know, efficient last year, though. That's what that means right there. Like, Lockett was super, super efficient yeah, last year, too, well, but at least Lockett has a number one spot in an offense locked up. You don't like Mike Williams. I love Mike Williams. Oh, he year. loves him. Okay, it's hard to find a wide receiver that's being drafted outside the top 25 with top 10 upside, and I believe Williams can be that top guy. Top 10 upside. Top 10 upside. You think I believe <laughs> Williams can be that guy. I'm telling you, the target's got to go somewhere. He's a big guy. I mean, I love Tyrell Williams when he was there. I would take Tyrell Williams over Mike Williams, but now that he's gone, I'm taking Mike Williams. Jesse, we need, we need you to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll weigh in, and I and I have to. I just I want to be honest, and this isn't me being a homer talking, but I'm a Mike Williams guy. Yeah. So I agree with Pops on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say um, we did see him have an extremely extremely efficient year last year. Um, Granted, uh, like you were saying, the, the 110 targets is going to come into play. Um, I, for me, I just I'm I'm choosing to almost ignore 
uh, Travis Benjamin as a wide receiver three. Yeah. I don't think that he's playing at a level that would that would allow me to say that he is going to get anywhere near maybe. I mean, he's consistently uh, off the top of my head. I think he, he not last year, but in, in the two or three years that he's been with the Chargers before that he hovers around 60 targets, give or take. And we can see a level of consistency between the wide receiver two and wide receiver three when Phillip Rivers is targeting those. They generally have the same, um, that same 60 to 70 target threshold and then it's just Keenan Allen who just takes up the, um, uh, over you know 50% of that or 30% give or take of that uh, the market share there but to go uh, what I'm biting on with Mike Williams is um, the fact that he was efficient on such little market share of, of, of overall air yards and um, air and receiving receiving yards there Um I that that tells me that not only is he already a good player, but he is going to see a significant bump in targets, um, even with Hunter Henry coming back. We saw Hunter Henry thrive with Keenan Allen coming back, and I know that that's not necessarily with the receiver of, of Mike Williams caliber, but. Mike Williams flashed really, really big games last year against Denver, Arizona, and Pittsburgh, where he had a really, really, really good racer. And for and I know you guys know what racer is, but for anybody who's listening, receiver air conversion ratio um, is pretty much essentially like catch rate and um, and air yards all rolled in, into one. It's basically looked at as um, the amount of yards a receiver creates for every uh, air yard thrown at them. Um, anything that's hovering over over one is just absolutely phenomenal. And on the back end of, of the entire year, I believe, um, there's he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games out of the season where he hovered over 0.92 racer. And then he had uh, four, four weeks over um, one, which means even though he wasn't targeted frequently on games um, where he averaged even just two to three targets, he was extremely efficient when given the opportunity. Now, if we expect him to see a, a, a bump, I know that's the question here um, that, that you're talking about, Justin, is how much of a bump are we going to see? Are we going to have to rely on his efficiency um, for him to be, you know, fantasy relevant? Um, and I don't think that's going to be the case. I think uh, coming out of college, Mike Williams had a really good uh, analytical profile. He commanded targets. He was very dominant at Clemson. And I think you're going to see that, see him come in. Last year was the first year that he was healthy, the first year that he was actually able to get inside of this offense and really learn and play with Phil. Now you boot out a guy like Tyrell Williams, and you're able to um, – give Mike Williams that wide receiver two role and let him really flourish there. So although I, I, I do agree with you, Justin, I don't know what to expect on, on a volume front. I think that Mike Williams has the talent and the capacity for you to be able to say, I think this guy garners more targets um, than we might expect. And of course that's speculation. Uh, it might not be predictive. That might be me saying, I like Mike Williams and I think that he can do it and he has the talent and the efficiency to do it. Um, and I think we're going to see that, though. I, I personally think we're going to see Mike Williams take that next step. This is also coming into his third year. We know that um, statistically wide receivers come in their third year, and this is kind of a make-or-break um, season for them. They tend to break out. The good ones, at least, tend to break out after that third year. Yeah. No, I'm not, like, bashing him that bad. I think i take yeah. him over Sammy Watkins if I came out of the truth. But the guy, 34th in the league in red zone target share, is not that great, and then he scored about six touchdowns over expectations. So – He's not going to have 11 touchdowns next year, I think, even if you give him 100 targets. I think if you think he's going to have 11 touchdowns. No, I didn't say. I'm just saying with 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 Tyrell Williams gone, I think you're looking you're going to more targets for bump. sure. Yeah, yeah, but I don't and know. He, I think he, you can get closer to six guy, or he's seven a big touchdowns. Guy in the red zone area, so 
34th in the league in red zone target share. He got most of us from outside of it, it looks like. And then, I, I don't know. I'm just we'll 20th in the happens. league in red zone receptions, so that's not awful. Volume goes up if he does get targeted heavily in red zone. The only problem is there's a man named Hunter Henry coming back, and that's the red zone area he likes to succeed in. So there's no 2018 data at all for Hunter Henry because of the ACL, which Correct. people seem to forget about. Yep. He had the time to recover, which is really good. He's also going one spot after Mike Williams in drafts right now. And in 2017, he was third among tight ends in air yards and fourth in yards per target. That's the thing I want to see. I want to see a tight end that's top five in yards per target because they're getting their targets down the field, which is important because tight ends catch less passes than wide receivers. So I like Hunter Henry. And there's there's one more thing that I do want to point out too. Uh, going through you know last last season with um w- with Mike Williams and and weeks one through eighteen or sorry one through sixteen, um he had an, he had an average a dot of about fourteen point eight. I think he's going to be able to fill that down the field role that Philip Rivers is looking for him and Travis Benjamin of course, um but he's going to be able to fill um or what his a dot suggests is that he's getting targeted at distances that tell us that he is going to be a down the field threat now even if his his opportunity doesn't increase significantly 66 targets last year tack on 14 more targets and hit about 80 maybe um maybe 19 more and hit that 85 mark if he hits anywhere over 60 to you know 60 maybe 65 receptions you, even with a little bit of touchdown regression with that with that a dot and that efficiency you're looking at maybe just short of a thousand yard season and even if he only has six seven touchdowns i'd say that's gonna that that could potentially be enough to propel him into that top 24 discussion yeah it's, it's definitely that's his upside i think it's top 20 i don't know if i yeah. go top 10 but if his, well, that, might, you know, that might be if his efficiency that, does that stay the same, but say but if he sits like still efficient and gets more targets, then for sure top ten. But that'll be a crazy outlier season. But it won't matter because guess what? You'll have him on your team and you'll probably win the league because that's that's what you need to win. But uh, <laughs> Hunter Henry, you like Hunter Henry this year, Dad? You know I do. With with his torn ACL, I mean, uh, prior to his injury, he was every bit I think as efficient as as a Gronk or Kels. Maybe not as as. He's, he's not in the same category as them, but I think he was efficient. Now, it's tough to know how he's going to return, um, but now he's going to be actually the starter, right, and he's going to see a lot of targets. He could leap into that type, that top tight end tier, I think. Uh, he's probably going as, the what, the fourth tight end off the board in most, most drafts. Uh, he's an excellent pass catcher. This is going to be his biggest opportunity of his young career right now. Right now with Tyrell Williams gone, Gates gone, and – He's back, so this is going to be a big opportunity for him to show what he's got. He's going as tight end five right now behind O.J. Howard, and that's where I have him. Because he would, was good before. Yeah. He, he was very good before he got hurt. Yeah, he was one of only, I believe, five. No, one of only uh, yeah, four tight ends to catch eight touchdowns in his rookie season, yeah. and that's that's a big stat, it and is. that's in the names with Gronk in there. Right. And he does have top three potential. I, I would still have O.J. Howard over him personally just because I think they're going to pass more in the Chargers. And, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's like an upgraded version of Austin Hooper, so I'm not going to probably reach for him in the sixth round, unfortunately. But if he were to fall to the seventh or eighth, which I don't think he will in drafts because uh, yeah, he is a 60 pick, I think I'd rather have Austin Hooper later. I think a lot of people, if you don't take one of the top three, most people, if I, if I don't get one of the top three where I think they are value to me, then I'm going to pass on tight end until later on. Gotcha. So I'd probably pass on uh, Henry and O'Howard and, and guys like that and take somebody too. later on. Not even your boy Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram's—he's going to be a good tight end this year too. But we'll get to him in another episode. All right. What about you, Jesse? You taking Hunter Henry in drafts, going one behind Mike Williams, sixth round? Uh, yeah, I absolutely love him there. If I'm going to kind of 
uh, wait, especially if I'm not like maybe in a tight end premium league where they're getting like a ridiculous uh, amount of, of points per, per target first down and stuff and, and such, excuse me. Um, yeah, Hunter Henry is definitely a guy that I that I think um, is going to that has top three upside. We're looking at a guy who in 2017 ranked third in air yards among uh, tight ends, um, seventh in fantasy points at 10.6 per game, um, and uh, we saw his his touchdowns regress a little bit from his his rookie year. But we also saw um, his rookie year was the year that Keenan Allen was out, so he he got a lot of work in that red zone and uh looking at his his statistics from uh 2017 we saw keenan allen come back and have a, that was the year he, he rated in the top three um he had to keenan allen just had a monster monster season we saw him break into that really elite wide receiver one category but hunter henry still thrived there 62 targets 45 receptions um had an uptick almost completely across the board except for yards per reception and touchdowns um and as we mentioned before with mike williams touchdowns aren't sticky but he still ended up being a very top end uh wide receiver uh, tight end option there um despite having to work with a guy like keenan allen hogging all those targets and tyrell williams and travis benjamin there um which makes me think too is is another reason why i believe that um that Hunter Henry and uh, and Mike Williams can both thrive at the same time. Um, they can they can they can both work, uh, given that their their target shares and their opportunity rates are um, are are acceptable. And that I believe we're coming off a year where Phil also has thrown thrown the least amount of times um, over the past three seasons, give or take. And uh, so some of the numbers might be in, uh, deflated a little bit. And I think that there's going to be a little bit more room for, for opportunity to go around between Mike Williams, Hunter Henry and, and Keenan Allen. Um, so Hunter Henry is definitely a guy that I'm looking to add onto my team around that sixth, seventh round. If I can get him around that area, or even around later, maybe seventh or eighth. Cause I know some people are lower on him than I am. Um, I'll take him there. Cause he, like you said, Justin, he has top three upside. No, that's good value if he goes that late, but I, I think he, he, six, so one right he's now gonna, he's going yeah he's so. gonna go late fifth early sixth. i mean if you can get him that late that's good value especially for a top three upside guy top three upside yeah i probably i mean my strategy i'll probably pass because of the wide receivers going in that range yeah. and see tyler lockett fall into the six chris godwin fall into the sixth and i take those guys over hunter henry just because that's not a not a problem with that. that now yeah a tight end who's going a little bit later I'm skipping over a guy but uh the tight touchdown it's all about touchdowns this episode you got guys who score touchdowns you got mike williams scores touchdown you got eric ebron who scores touchdowns this guy just absolutely blown out of the water what he's ever done in his past so 13 touchdowns last year that's a career high for him this is his career high. previous career high was five yeah so he almost tripled that and that's most likely thank you to andrew luck you know but he's currently going he's fallen a little bit by a little bit i mean one pick since i did the notes which about a week ago so he's going 6 12 right now he's going 10 picks later than hunter henry I'd rather have Hunter Henry at that asking price personally. And my strategy is kind of like what you said. If I'm not getting a uh, top three tight end or an O.J. Howard that falls into the sixth round, then I'm probably just passing on it altogether and bumping it and just hoping to hit my late-round tight end targets. But he had a 17.4% target share. He was number one in the league among tight ends in hog rate, which is targets per snap. You give him a seventh ranked in the league in red zone target share and first in the league in end zone target share. That means he's, he's getting targeted where you want those fantasy points to be scored, which is sure. in the end zone. Not only that, though, he was third in air yards, but somehow only 25th in yards per target. So he had 110 targets last year. Doyle's back. 
They add in Devin Funches, who's basically Eric Ebron, same thing. They're both going to play at slot tight end position. And they also drafted Paris Campbell. So there's more competition for targets this year. And while I do think he's going to be a guy they're going to use in the red zone still, I don't know if he's worth paying up for the seventh price tight end. I'd say give me Vance McDonald, give me Jared Cook, who are going after him. I'd rather have those guys over Eric Ebron because he's definitely going to regress. So, Jesse, what do you got to say about Eric Ebron this year? Yeah, uh, he's a guy that I'm going to look to get at a discount. Very, very high upside. Anybody that's tethered to Andrew Luck, I want. And I I firmly believe they're going to be able to get both Doyle and Ebron on the field at the same time. So I'm curious to see what their their opportunity ratio is going to look like. Right now, I'm trying to pull up a little bit of some some of their splits. I know a lot of people make uh, the argument right now that you know when Doyle was healthy, um, he was seeing more of the opportunity on a per game basis than Eric Ebron. But I don't think you can ignore the fact that he was he was pretty much uh, top seven, top eight in almost any uh, in almost every opportunity category for um, tight ends. Twenty one targets in the red zone. That's just monstrous. Twenty one point two percent. Um, of all red zone target share there for Indianapolis. And that's um, that ranks number seventh against tight ends as well. He had 16 targets in the end zone, uh, 35.6% end zone target share, number one against tight ends. He is a guy that obviously Andrew Luck trusted to get the ball when they got inside the 20, inside the 10, inside the five. And I, I think I might wait a little bit longer to try and maybe snag Eric Ebron. I'd probably try and get him at a value, but I don't see any reason why you would blink if he's there um a little bit past that uh, it looks like he's going around pick 97 um and if i can get him a little bit maybe around after that I, I definitely like that he just had a monster year last year and uh, i don't think you can necessarily ignore that if if you're looking for premium like tight end production from from that slot right there yeah what do you gotta say about him dad yeah, i mean you got you guys said it you know he he had a career high 13 touchdowns you know almost exclusively touchdown driven um, he ranked third among tight ends and red zone targets. Um, what concerns me most about Ebron is that he took advantage of Doyle, who missed 10 games last year, but now Doyle's coming back, should return healthy, and Indy's wide receiver corpse is much deeper. So I think re- regression could hit him hard. Um, but like Jesse said, they could use a two tight end set all the time, so we'll have to wait and see. But I think with, with the new wide receiver corp coming in, it could hurt Ebron a little bit. Yeah, only time's going to tell for that. Right, right. And so you get into that point of the draft later on where you're looking for guys who can possibly outproduce their draft capital and then, you know, possibly be a, more than a high-end flex option for your team. And a guy I really like this year, he's not in the best offense, but he has some help because he has John LaFlippo coming to him as the new head coach in Jacksonville, and that's D.D. Westbrook. I know I saw Jesse drafted him in Scott Fishbowl. You guys don't know what that is, but we didn't get to get him because he got sniped on us. But yeah, it's we got all right. sniped quite a bit in the Scotty's fishbowl. <laughs> yeah, so he's going as the 41st wide receiver in the ninth round, and I like D.D. Westbrook. Obviously, the Jaguars is in the most sexiest place to find your wide receiver, but he was ranked eighth in the NFL last year in QB-adjusted EPA per target, and that's that's pretty good considering you know you, you had Blake Bortles and Chad Henney throwing right, well, yeah. So Damn. now you give him the Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, and it's, it's definitely an upgrade. I know people sure are saying, is. oh, if you look down on it, Blake Bortles is fine, but no, it's an upgrade for him. And coaching narratives aren't my favorite thing to use, but John DeFlippo, he was the Eagles offensive coordinator when Nelson Aguilar had that amazing year. That's because Nelson Aguilar played the slot. 
Last year, the Vikings, you saw what Adam Thielen did in the first eight games of the last season, having 100-plus yards. And I grant D.D. Westbrook's not Adam Thielen, but they both played a slot. And as long as you get targets, and that's what I think that John Pope's going to do, try to have the offense go through behind Leonard Fournette, it's going to be probably D.D. Westbrook. And I think there's top 30 upside there. And not necessarily wide receiver two upside, but a guy who can have those splash weeks. And I think he's going to lead a team in target share. So... Which he should. Yeah. So what do you got to say about Didi, Dad? You know, he overcame an injury-riddled rookie year, right, to play. He played all 16 games in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did struggle with drops and overall consistency. But then again, like you said, awful QB play hurt him, I believe, a lot. Uh, he had eight games below uh, 10 PPR points with a pair of games over 20. So with now he's getting an upgrade in quarterback and foals. Uh, so Westbrook should I, I think and is going to be the target leader in 2019 and i think he he's a solid wide, wide receiver three value in the draft yeah no problem with that what about you jesse i know you like dd yeah i think you guys just pretty pretty much hit it uh right on the head there looking back um on his 2018 his his weighted opportunity uh rating we see that um after week 10 he really really uh started to hit his stride with how much opportunity he was getting in that offense after week 10 um he never hit less than a 20%, um, excuse me, a 21% uh, overall um, market share of that target share, actually. And um, throughout throughout the first nine weeks, eight games, actually, sorry, um, he did he, he did not seem to get the opportunity that we would want from a wide receiver one. Um, but then come week 10, he just started to hit his stride from a, an opportunity perspective, and he grabbed a huge market share of that offense. Um, underperformed. Absolutely. I don't think, uh, but, but like you guys said, it comes down to, um, I think poor quarterback play definitely had something to do with it. Um, we're looking at his fantasy numbers only even after week 10, when he did have that opportunity, um, only, uh, two weeks inside the top 20 in terms of, uh, fantasy finishes for wide receivers in PPR formats. Um, and he didn't really show up, but one thing we do like to chase, um, in, in fantasy is the opportunity. You you look at guys like uh, DJ Chark, who I actually really really like, as somebody who's being um, underrated right now in that offense, and and Keelan Cole. Um, those guys have always been kind of secondary options, and I think they'll continue to be. And Didi will have that opportunity. And you you look at um, not all targets are created the same. Um, a target coming from Blake Bortles is 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 different than a target coming from Nick Foles. Um, and I think that we're going to see uh, with granted he keeps his opportunity and 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 Nick Foles does uh, allow him to be that oppor- that that wide receiver one with that opportunity. Um, I think you're going to see Didi take a, a really really big step this year and really come into his own. And um, right now I believe his his current ADP. Um, I'm not sure what it is for redraft at the moment, but I know 40 it's forty right now in redraft. Yeah. yeah, especially because he he's going to be the wide receiver one there. So yeah, I don't I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and just, yeah. Jesse mentioned that opportunity is key, and a guy who's going to see some opportunity this year is Carryon Johnson, and they just got Daryl Bevel as offensive coordinator. I mentioned a couple of podcast episodes ago how he is very run oriented, and you're going to see that 400 plus rushing total this year. I know we like Carryon Johnson last year, especially in startup rookie drafts, and you know had him higher than uh, Penny in one of my rankings, and that that's looking okay right now. But he showed well last year in rookie year. He broke the Lions' curse with no 100-yard rusher. That's hasn't been done since 2013. He was sixth in true yards per carry. I don't really like that, but it, you know it discounts the long runs, so that means you know it's more accurate. He was 15th in yards per touch, 
20th in the league in breakaway runs with eight of them, 13th in breakaway run rate. He was also fifth in the league in catch rate, 82.1%. And he was on pace for 1,400 yards. He's made a full recovery. They have a good offensive line. They draft TJ Hawkinson in the first round, who's also a really good blocking tight end. And you're going to see C.J. Anderson in there take away some touchdowns. I can see it now, so that's yeah. not that fun for me. And I don't know if he's going to be a, necessarily a workhorse kind of running back, but he's, he's a definitely a running back two slash three. I like the only problem is he's not going as a running back two slash three. He's going as a running back two. He's going ahead of my man Derrick Henry this year, and I'd rather have Derrick Henry over him. Last season they were the 20th ranked O-line, and there was no changes, but the, after the 2018 season they were 16th ranked core in the PFFs. So I'm I like Carryon Johnson as a player I really do I just don't think this is the year for him because C.J. Anderson is there and people are discounting Theo Riddick he's he's also still there and he's going ahead of Derrick Henry he's going ahead of David Montgomery and he's going as the 18th running back off the board right now in redraft leagues and I don't think I'm going to take him until he gets past that 20 mark and it's just I'd rather have Marlon Mack who's going two ahead of him so what do you got to say about this dad? You know, he averaged 5.4 yards per catch, caught 32 balls in 10 games as a rookie, right? He ranked 13th among running backs in PPR during that eight-game stretch as the Detroit's lead back. He did miss the final six games with a knee injury. I believe if he can stay healthy, I think he's in for a big sophomore season, especially with the new offensive coordinator. He loves to run the ball. So Johnson's going to be the heavy favorite to lead the, the running back duties in what should be a run-heavy offense. The, like you said, the Lions did sign C.J. Anderson, and they're saying they don't want to overwork their young back. So what does that mean? He's, he's probably going to steal some touchdowns, like you said. Yeah, I think nowadays you don't want to work, see like your main guy get overworked because looks like having a tug early now. You see that yeah. arthritis thing. So you don't really want to give the guy too many carries. But if you get over 200 carries for me, I'm okay with that. But I don't know if he you does. Know, I don't want to see a committee backfield there. But you might see a little bit of a committee. I think if he could stay healthy and he and within a new run heavy offense, he he could flirt with RB one production maybe. I don't see that being a problem there. You know, we'll see how much C.J. Anderson cuts into him, but I, I do like on Johnson this year again. You're not going to like to hear this then. What am I going to hear? Oh, boy. Jesse, what do you guys say about on Johnson? Oh, boy. Oh, uh, so uh, I, I'm on board with you guys for, for the most part in terms of I, I think he's a very talented back. I think he, he is very well-rounded, and he provides the Lions with a true do-it-all type of, of workhorse um, that can be utilized in the passing game and the running game. The issue is that I don't think that they're they're going to do that. Um, I think one of the big, big things, uh, a telling thing for me um, is looking at the C.J. Anderson signing. And I'm not saying, you know, that's end-all, be-all, but we just saw what C.J. Anderson was able to provide for the Rams down the stretch last year leading up into the Super Bowl. We saw him come off some monstrous games while Todd Gurley was, was nursing his knee, um, and and we know that he can still run the ball. That guy is – he is a grinder, and he is going to get you really, really, really good chunks of yardage um, when given the opportunity. Um, last year um, – and, and we know the Lions – like they said, they don't want to overwork their young running backs. And that's good. You shouldn't want to. For the longevity of their career, you don't want to over overwork them. Um, he can have all the talent in the world. But we're also talking about a team that ranked 18th in the league last year in rush attempts per game. This isn't necessarily a horrible thing. I just think people want on Johnson to be this, this bell cow back who takes over the league and is going to have over 300 total touches and who is going to be the go-to guy. And I just don't see it. I just don't see on being this guy that's going to be an every down bell cow back. And, and in retrospect, or just looking at it right now, he shouldn't have to be. I think there's enough talent 
talent on on the Lions um, offense for him to not have to carry that workload. Um, I kind of liken him to um, me and, and Christopher Bean um, uh, on Twitter yesterday. We're talking about uh, Lamar Miller. Um, people kind of underrate him as just this this running back, and he kind of is just a running back, but it's because the Texans don't overuse Lamar Miller. They don't give him um, 10,000 touches a year, and they don't wear him out when they don't need to. And he's still finishing inside the top 24 and averaging 12.2 fantasy points per per game, uh, which is good. If you get that type of a baseline out of carry on Johnson, you should not be mad. That's good usage out of a running back. And you'd probably get that over a longer period of time, especially in dynasty format. So yeah. um, although I do really like carry on, I don't believe he is what everybody wants him to be. And that's okay. From my perspective, he is somebody that I'm, I'm probably not snagging that early. Yeah, no, he's going at 310 right now in redraft leagues, so it's probably a little too high for me. And then you have that name title, on Johnson, and he did perform pretty well in his rookie year. So people yeah. in your home leagues, not necessarily these expert leagues, but people in your home leagues are probably going to overdraft him just for the mm-hmm. namesake and the possibilities of what could be a workhorse back, even though it's not likely. And with the way the NFL is moving forward, I don't see it being likely. Now, Another guy who people want to be the workhorse back already is Rashad Penny. I mentioned him earlier, and uh, they both came into the league last year. Rashad Penny apparently was overweight, a little fat, but, you know, he got it off. He's, he's okay, and he's just got upside for me. I think it's just pure upside. So you have Rashad Penny going in the 33rd running back off the board right now, seventh round, second pick. He's going right behind Darius Geis. Darius Geis is going to keep dropping because of that hamstring injury that he said. He said he's fine, but are you taking Rashad Penny in drafts this year, Dad? I like Richard Penny. I liked him last year. He had some great games with them, and then they stopped using him. I don't know why the Seahawks stopped using him. <laughs> I mean, he had the games that he was in there, he produced very well. But, the most you know, one recent memory is that Cowboys playoff yeah, game where I they mean, put him in, he'd get yards, and they'd take him out and put Chris Carson, get stuffed at the, like, two yards. Into yeah, the I don't game, understand so. that because <laughs> when he had his opportunity, he, sh- he was in there, and they should have used him. So, I mean, it was a disappointing rookie season, really, if you're looking at that perspective, for someone who was drafted in the first round, right? Uh, by the Seahawks. The Seahawks let Mike Davis go in free agency. Carson has some work done on his knee. So Seahawks are clearly a run-first offense. Uh, Both Carson and Penny, I think, have some fantasy value there. You know, sure there is risk with Penny right now. He's going late in RB3 territory right around the 6th. 7-0-2 right now. 7th round. Um, You know, going in there, and and there's some risk in that area, I would gladly take me some Penny. Shares in that area. <laughs> Definitely upside there. I mean, I like I said, in the games where they used him, he did well. Then they stopped. Are they going to do that again with Mike Davis gone? I don't know. Give give the guy a shot. The like, problem is the Seahawks don't give a single crap yeah, about I draft know. capital, I, I and they don't care that they spent a first-round pick on him. But and a, Jesse, lot of, a lot of teams go through with the committee backfield now, so they don't want to overwork players, but, yeah. I, but I do like Rashad Penny this Are year. Are you taking Rashad Penny and redraft leagues this year? Jesse going at the 702 behind guys such as Darrell Henderson, Lamar Miller, and going ahead of guys like Latavius Murray, Miles Sanders, Ronald Jones. Um, I don't know if I'm going to take him above maybe – Laddie Murray or or Miles Sanders. I, I think right now those guys have a little bit more of a clear pathway to opportunity. But um, Rashad Penny, there's just no there's no doubt about it. He was just extremely extremely efficient last year, and I know um, a lot of that came in Week Ten. And we look at um, his highest carry total of the year, and you see his 108 total yards against the Rams. Um, and he, that is the the one week that he finished inside of the the top twenty. 
but that was that was the week where he had the most usage. If you increase his usage, he is going to be good. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to get that opportunity. Same thing we talked about with Carrion. But I do believe uh, Chris Carson last year, was, this was the first year we saw him play over, what, three or four games. Um, I, and he did very, very well as well. We're talking about 247 rushes for 1,151 yards and nine touchdowns. That is what the, the Seahawks were, ran the ball the most. They, they ranked number one in rush attempts per game last year. But they went out and they got some weapons. You saw them go get a big physical wide receiver in DK Metcalf that can stretch the field. Um, we know that Russell Wilson can scramble and extend the play. I really, really, really think that that some of these offensive additions, and we saw Tyler Lockett have an extremely efficient year last year, one of one of the best in of, of history for how little he was used. All of these things kind of point to the running back and the run game will continue to thrive here as long as they have more options to stretch the field, get Russell Wilson in comfortable situations, uh, short yarded situations at that. It's just whether it's going to be Rashad Penny or Chris Carson again. Right now, I'd probably put my money on Chris Carson, but that's because he has the season numbers to back it up from last year. But I think Penny is an extraordinary talent. I think he is good enough to take over that role, and he is definitely somebody, maybe not in the seventh round of redrafts right now, um, I'd probably look for him anywhere after nine or ten, um, but I think he's a guy that can creep into that that top thirty running backs if given the opportunity. It's just you have to be willing to take him. Yeah, yeah. in fantasy football calculator, he's going as the six oh five. What are you looking at? Yeah, that's, I'm on the that's same a thing as you. Are you on the right thing? I'm on non PPR. Oh, okay. oh, that would explain it. That would explain it. Ah, oh, but yeah, he's going there, and I think this makes a better case for zero RB because Miles Sanders is there, Latavius Murray is there. So if you want to go zero RB, you got these running back options with high upside, and I mean, like Jesse said, Miles Sanders and Latavius Murray have a clear path to uh, rushing share and whatnot opportunity. But Rashad Penny could slip to the eighth, ninth round, and I'll gladly take him there. Fifteenth um, in yards created per carry last year. Also, I still have Schottenheimer there, so they're going to run the ball a lot. And then their offensive line was supposed to be the worst last year. They actually were 12th ranked among adjusted rushing yards. So, you know, and I think the one thing that Penny does have going for him is that the Seahawks are paying him about four times as much compared to Chris Carson. So Chris Carson's contract is 661 k this year compared to Penny's 2.4 mil. So hopefully they do give him more touches because of that reason alone, and then they'll see with their eyes, you know, that's how you see, yep. and that he's better than Carson. And I think eventually you can maybe see the uh, opportunity share swing in Penny's favor towards the later half of the season, but only time is going to tell. And last year in the later half of the season, especially the last month, you saw Sam Darnold post the highest QBR of any quarterback in the league last year which I think is crazy. That's the youngest starting rookie ever to play an NFL game. This guy went out there and was better than some of the quarterbacks that were amazing last year. Patrick Mahomes was amazing. Tom Brady's always really, really good. You see Russell Wilson be consistently good. Aaron Rodgers is good. But he had a higher QBR than all those guys. So in two quarterback leagues, I like Sam Darnold, especially in Dynasty. We're mainly a redraft podcast, so we're talking about this year. Sam Darnold's a little interesting to me because they did upgrade his weapons. They got Jameson Crowder to throw him in the slot. You got Robbie Anderson showing chemistry at the end of the late last year, and he's still there. And then you give him one of the best receiving backs we've seen in a long, long time, and it's Le'Veon Bell. So 
do you like Sam Darnold right now? He's not even going in the top 25 of quarterbacks right now. So you can get him basically free as your quarterback, too, in Superflex slash two QB leagues, and I, I don't mind it. I wouldn't have him in my – I might have him as a QB3 coming in there, maybe. Um, a, a QB death is going to make it tough for Darnold to escape QB2 category. The good news is is that it's not going to be benched because there's no one else there, <laughs> right? That's the good news for him. I mean, the Jets are going to be a horrible offense. They did – Upgrade their supporting be cast. Than last year. They are. They should be better than last year, but they did upgrade their supporting cast with Le'Veon Bell. So I mean, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. I'm probably not. I'm probably not touching them. No. What's your outlook on uh, Sam Darnold this year, Jesse? Um, in in super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues, I'm I'm perfectly fine uh, going into into my season with him as my quarterback three i wouldn't exactly say two um he's definitely a guy that or if say if you are really 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 trying to load up on um skill positions early and you like go zero quarterback and you just feel like you can play it close to the vest sam Darnold would be somebody that i wouldn't mind going in maybe as a quarterback two if i'm if i'm getting good value that's where i'm okay with it if you're a guy who's like late round quarterback so you take Patrick Mahomes in round one, and then punted for the rest of the whole entire draft. And the 18th round, you get Sam Darnold as your QB two. That that's where I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. Exactly, exactly. And he's um he's he to to put it simply, he just didn't have a good year last year. Um, we saw a lot of his wide receiver core last year in in Anderson, Anoma. Um, we saw those guys kind of have a carousel. There was one of them injured or on injury report every single week. I feel like, um, and uh, granted, they did have a a decent run game. Um, it wasn't necessarily uh, the weapons that you like to see around a young quarterback, especially ones that um, that you know need time to develop. Looking at an upgraded team, and not even just on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball, them going out against C.J. Mosley, um, them drafting uh, Quentin Williams, these are are things that you're going to factor in. I know it's context. I know that might not seem fantasy-related, but I think that defense is going to be in the top half of, of, of the league this year in total defense, and I think that's going to be able to put Sam Darnold in better down and distance, better short um, short field situations, and, and be able to, to um, create turnovers more so um, on the back end as well with with guys who have, give a ton of pressure like Jamal Adams and stuff. And again, bear with me. I know this doesn't seem fantasy relevant, but when you are able to put a good defense with a young quarterback and then you give uh, your quarterback pieces like a healthy Robbie Anderson who says he wants to be the best, most elite wide receiver in the league, and then an elite talent in, in Le'Veon Bell in the run game, Elijah McGuire, uh, Quincy Anua. I know Chris Herndon is suspended for the first four games um, of the season, but once they are able to get him back, that's another red zone option. This this overall team starts to look competitive. And then when you when you look at that as well, Sam Darnold is going to have less on his plate as a starting quarterback than he did last year. More pieces around him, better football situations, and I think you're going to be able to see him relax a little bit more and play better. He was uh, in completion percentage. He was give or take from from about 15 to 20 yards at, at that depth of target he was really above the um the the completion percentage threshold and he kind of hovered below it uh according to airyards.com he kind of hovered below it all season long he was not super efficient um or, or accurate at any level of the field except for about 15 to 20 give him a little bit more time let his weapons get open um, put him in in good down and distance put him in good field position and i think you're going to get a lot more out of sam donald this year so uh, 
yeah, I don't I don't mind taking him as a three or or a quarterback two in two quarterback leagues. I think that's going to be really good. Uh, you're going to see him take a step forward this year. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And like I say, he's not going in the top 25 quarterbacks right now. So you're not going to take him as your quarterback two unless you really, really punt that position. And when you have other teams in your draft already having three quarterbacks and you still only have one. But 15.4% of the time, he was a top 12 quarterback last year. He's also pretty good at extending plays. He's in the pocket. He can run around and, you know, make guys miss. And you can see him get more comfortable as the season went on. He went from his first ever career throw being a pick six. Yeah. So not many people can do that. And then you saw him eventually set into it. And then in weeks 15 and 16, the fantasy semifinals and championship, he was the QB3 and QB7, respectively. So Noom was back healthy. And any way you look at it, I don't think you can say his rookie season was a failure. That was a huge success, especially considering that he was the youngest quarterback ever to start a game in the NFL history. And sophomore season breakouts happen for quarterbacks pretty often. The most recent one of memory is Carson Wentz. You saw him be a big boss his rookie year and then all of a sudden just ball out. And Sandano last year was 13th in carries with 44. So I like it. I I'm okay. I like him as a QB three a lot more than other guys in that range. And uh, I'm not banking on him to have a top twenty four year, but I think it's definitely possible in top twenty if all these wheels start turning and Le'Veon Bell actually does do good in that system. Yep, it's another offense we'll have to watch during the season. But yeah, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Once again, get your entries submitted for the Ty Hilton autograph jersey giveaway. Go to at FatherSonFF on Twitter and retweet that tweet, like it. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and then write a five-star review and DM it to the Twitter at FatherSonFF. My Twitter is at JustinFSFF. Where can they find you on Twitter, Jesse? You guys can find me at Jesse Reeves FF on Twitter. Pretty simple uh, right now. Just um, just kind of chilling, throwing things out into the Twitterverse um, and uh, seeing what comes you back. Yeah, a new podcast you um, started, though. Yes, yeah, I should, I should probably plug that before my, my co-host gets mad at me for not doing that. Yeah, um, I'm actually, uh, we just started a new podcast called the R&R Dynasty Show, and it stands for the Reeves and Russ Dynasty Show. Um, kind of a laid-back feel. You just come on. We're re- trying to really capture um, aspects of what the fantasy community is talking about. So we kind of scour Twitter all the time. Well, we wanted to talk about what other people are talking about. And then if you guys have anything that you want to talk about, sure, we'll talk about it too. Um, so we're, we're having guests um, every single episode just kind of randomly like pop in. We'll choose somebody from, from the live chat and we're kind of treating it like a, like a show. And um, you come in and, and, and hang out and talk about whatever you want. So, uh, yeah, we just launched that last week. Having a new episode. It's going to be every single Thursday at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. as That's around 7 p.m. Um, uh, Pacific time. So tune into that and uh yeah yeah that's awesome speaking about laid back this dude was in his car recording the first episode that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah i know i <laughs> we i i had i had recorded or i had made uh plans to go see the fantasy footballers live that night and um it turned out that it conflicted with the time that we were supposed to do our first podcast so um we give the people what they want though when we announce something you gotta you gotta follow through with it so we, we i recorded in my car uh, with my with my airpods didn't exactly <laughs> have the most uh gnarly setup but um yeah we made it work that's man. good yeah. that's awesome so make sure you go follow him check out the podcast it's pretty funny and just chill so yeah that's gonna do it for today's episode uh make sure you get your ty hilton thing yeah make sure you get them in. five star reviews and there's only three weeks left for that jersey giveaway yeah and uh we'll see you guys next time see ya